Fantasy Focus Football is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico and see all the ways that you can save. It's Wednesday, May 31st. We have all of us together. Stefania's is back. Good to see you again. Yeah. Thank you. So you can be honest. It's okay. No yeah. one's actually listening or watching right now. How was it being away from us for like two and a half Notice weeks? Notice I didn't say it's nice to be back. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, asked and answered that. All right. So like uh, on a one to 10 scale, who did you miss or how, mu- how much did you miss us and who did you miss the least? Um... Yeah, I'm just going to ignore that wow. guy. Wow. Just gonna move answer. Very right. Marshawn Lynch of you, you know right what? there, I'm still, Stefania. My brain's still on vacation. Good. It I deserves to be. Quickly, yeah, okay, so. good. It deserves to be. We have a lot going on in the show today. We're going to discuss the fallout from DeAndre Hopkins being released by the Arizona Cardinals. Plus, our brains have been busted by players as it pertains to their dynasty ranks. We're going to dive mm-hmm. into the hardest players that we could come up with to rank for dynasty purposes. And we're not just going to talk about guys that might be in the back end of their career. Aaron Rodgers at 38 years old. No, no, no. It's going to be players who might be 23, 24, 25 years old that are still confounding. A reminder for those that are watching or listening for the first time in a while, our show is every week on Wednesdays, 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern time. If you're watching us on YouTube or Twitter or Facebook, we, do we serve the TikTok audience yet? We I should if we don't. Individually, I think. Okay, individually. So you so, do. I, no, I just follow <laughs> Field on TikTok. I, think, uh, I don't think I've posted okay. a TikTok in about nine months, but <laughs> I appreciate the loyalty. Yeah, I, right. I posted on there one time, and it has like four million views, six yeah. million views, something like that. I'm just saying. Humble. Like one, one, wait, one wait, for wait, one. One of your pools. One and done. On average. You are the Jonas Gray of TikTokers. That's exactly right. On a per game, on a per post basis, number one. It is. It was a viral video of my daughter. So, so good and now of course you can also join us on the youtube chat and by us i mean kyle who's hanging out there in the youtube chat right yeah. now 2023 espn fantasy football is open if you want to reactivate your league and start talking smack making trades or anything of the sort we're gonna get to some news before what the heck are you wearing right now mike oh yeah so uh okay so if you watch the pod or listen to the pod you may remember that daniel's birthday a few months back yep. came around and usually people give you gifts on your birthday, right? Right. But he came in and gave me a gift on his birthday right here on the show. I did. And of course, Darius Slay was traded from the Lions to the Eagles not too long ago. You gave me this lovely Darius Slay Lions jersey because yeah. you don't need it anymore. You, you look know, good in it too. Your arms look so, nice. You feel, yeah, feel, it feels it's good. It's tight. It's really yeah. tight. I'm feeling jacked in here right yeah. now. So it's uh, misleading, but it feels it's feeling jacked. It's a kid's, Mike. So it's a kid's. It, it is. It definitely is a kid's. It's, it's tight. It's tight. So anyway, my birthday was last week. Yep. Right? And I thought, what better way to repay than a jersey or a jersey shirt, as it's going to be for you? So I got you a little gift here. I, I believe wow. it's a jersey. Oh. Just for it's the a jersey. That's yes. correct. So, uh, you, you know, we had another connection between our two teams. DeAndre Swift, yeah, went to the Philadelphia Eagles. So I got you. Oh, I'm really excited ready? about this. Wow. It out here. A Swift jersey. Stop there it, it is. Wow. Swift jersey. Uh, interestingly enough, See that? Is, yeah, I do. I'm, I'm, I'm not quite catching um, what's going on. Anyone? Here. Oh, yeah. it's number 89. So you're trying yeah. to suggest that maybe it's a Swift jersey, right? Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's is there something wrong with that? Were you, were you shirt, at uh, yeah. MetLife yeah. Stadium this past weekend yeah. hanging out with fellow Swifties? I was not. You were there. You were. I was not there. No, oh. no, I can't afford that. I was going to say, which I was going to say. Maybe you yeah. guys can. It was like a uh, $200 uh, Swift Yeah, that was expensive. That was, yeah. Do you uh, think okay. if you a wore that to the Taylor jersey. Swift concert, it would be a popular item? Yes. Well, listen, I'm, I'm into <laughs> say, You are the demo bands. for Taylor Swift. So we should be clear. In so many ways. The yeah. people not watching, it's number 89. So Swift is blue and white, so it's number 89. 
of course. This looks good. I think by the letter of the law, DeAndre Swift could wear number nine in Philly, although he's actually wearing Mm -hmm. zero instead. But that would be a nice pivot if he decided to go to 89. That's very like 1960s wide receiver of him, right? When they still wore 80s and actually wore 89. And he is wearing zero, right? He is wearing zero. Yes, he's wearing zero with the Philadelphia But you're going 89, so there you go. We're even, right? That's the same thing. That's basically the same. It's the same thing. What's what's hilarious is that while Daniel could tell you, like, the the upcoming dates for every indie rock band, (laughs) Daniel doesn't actually know that Taylor Swift is touring right now. (laughs) He's like, excuse me? Who's that? Wait, has she dropped any music recently? I actually, Uh, I'm You probably do because you saw Aaron Rodgers at the Taylor Swift concert. That's how you Everyone has been at the Taylor Swift concert. Everyone has been posting photos. I don't, I yeah. Obviously, yeah, I gotta. We get have to do a live pod there. We do live pod. Uh, I believe Taylor's actually going to join us on the ah, pod in an okay, upcoming that makes show. Sense. So Stephane, be sure you haven't to... been on the podcast since your birthday happened, either, right? You just turned twenty nine <laughs> again. Again, it's amazing. Again. Happy birthday! It happens every but year. Happy birthday to you because well, we haven't seen you. you since your birthday happened. Thank you. Yes, another trip around the sun. Yeah. Very excited. Mid May birthdays. That's where it's at. I know. Mm-hmm. Taurus. Wow. wow, I feel very oh, excluded you're once a again. Wow. Word, do you know that we are just a day apart? But I'm a Taurus. He's a Gemini. So you guys are And we are for. Oh yeah. And and does that explain definitely. a lot of things about your differences? <laughs> yes. Okay. That's why she missed me the least while she was gone. That's yeah. right. That's a good answer. All not. right. Uh, and with that, let's get to the news. Let's begin with DeAndre Hopkins, officially released, as in like officially official yesterday mm-hmm. by the Arizona Cardinals, which means he can now sign with a new team whenever he wants. It could happen 10 minutes after the show is over. It could happen at the end of the show. It might happen in a month. We don't know. But what we decided to do was to go through the best landing spots for fantasy purposes for DeAndre Hopkins. And I think the cool part about when DeAndre Hopkins is released at this juncture of the offseason is that given how much money he's made and given the fact that he's such a malleable piece, if he doesn't want to make a bunch of money, he doesn't have to go and command a bunch of money from any of these suitors. And that means that there are very few teams that we can cross off right now as realistic options for DeAndre Hopkins to sign with. We decided to go around and everybody pass one option forward and see uh, how many crossover picks we had. And there was one team that we all picked. So, Mike, you get to serve because mm-hmm. you were the first person to answer. You get to serve the case. A up. layup. Yes. It's my birthday, so I get the nice, yeah, easy right. layup. It is no, not your birthday. No it was your birthday like several weeks no, ago. No, it's okay. We celebrate for the whole month. That's okay. how this works. Right. Right. Until tomorrow. I got the last Last <laughs> um, So, of course, I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, look, if he wants... Uh, there's two key things, you know, it's like uh, a few things he could be looking at. If it's just the most money, then it could be any team, right? It's but probably if not it's, the Chiefs, and that's the case. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, perhaps not. But if it's, I want the ball a lot, and I want a chance to win the Super Bowl, there's an easy right answer here, yes, and it's the Kansas is. City Chiefs, because they don't have a clear number one wide receiver. We've talked about uh, guys like Marcus Valdez-Scantley and Kadarius Tony and Rasheed Rice and Sky Moore, Justin Watson. Those are the kind of guys contending to, to be out there in three wide sets in an offense. By the way, that was you know, what fifth in pass attempts last season. There's going to be a lot of volume in this high-scoring, pass-heavy offense. Hopkins would clearly be their number one wide receiver. He'd be right on the field with an opportunity to see a, a huge target share like Tyree killed in and like he has uh, in past seasons. And on top of that, of course, I'm told the Chiefs are pretty good as a team, right? And they win the Super Bowl last year. Obviously, he'd have a great shot to do that uh, with the Chiefs this season. So for me, it feels like a no-brainer from both sides. Why would he not want to go there? And why would the Chiefs not want to, to make him a, a pretty solid contract? It could be a one-year deal, right? Like, it's I just, think that's probably the big question, no-brainer. Mark, though, is that just how much financial flexibility they have is going to determine maybe how realistic this is if D-Hop wants to get paid again, which... <laughs> 
did you hear the list of factors that he was looking for? <laughs> yeah, it's on my great because, quarterback. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so well, Stefania, I'll let you reveal those that criteria in just a bit. But one thing that was not mentioned in that criteria was money, which is the kind of thing you don't mention until it's time to talk yeah. dollars and cents. <laughs> and if he wants to make the most money, which I will never begrudge an athlete if that is his or her reality, then Kansas City is not going to be where it's at. But for every other reason, it makes so much sense. It's hard to imagine D Hop not being like a top fifteen wide receiver in everybody's yes. rankings if he goes to Kansas City, yep. potentially even a tick higher. That's why I didn't move him. I didn't left him go in my rankings yeah. because I'm just like it makes too much sense. Right. Right? Right. It so, makes too much yeah. sense he goes to this to Kansas. Well, City. it's also as you as you get older or more mature, you start appreciating other things besides just dollars and cents. Mm-hmm. And when you recognize that the window is closing, it's sort of, you know, you're in the twilight phase now as a wide receiver. You want to be somewhere where you can win. Yeah. We'll see. It'd be interesting because uh, I think one thing that's complicating this all is that DeAndre Hopkins has more recently played better football than Odell Beckham Jr. And he may be saying, well, yeah. I'm going to take a discount. OBJ just got 15 million guaranteed. Why should I settle for mm-hmm. a penny less given the fact that last season I actually was on the field. And by the way, when I was on the field, I produced at a high level, even if I did miss time, both due to injury and suspension. Stefania, you're next. What pick would you like to see? What place would you like to see for D hop with the chiefs now off the board? If it's not the chiefs, then it's probably the bills because okay. and this was, and, and I was basing it on two things. One is the criteria that he listed out, which I'll get to in a second. And the other is the teams he was talking to when they were looking at trade talks before he got released by the Cardinals. And mm-hmm. it was the chiefs and the bills and the bills. He, he had said that he wanted three things. He wanted a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. I understand Josh Allen's pretty good. He wanted a good defense. Mm-hmm. Bill's defense pretty good. also pretty good. And he wanted stability in the organization mm-hmm. and management. And certainly the bills have shown that and they're showing they're continuing to build, to make them a successful team. Obviously, they have their number one wide receiver in Stephon Diggs. And I think, you know, you could make the argument about Gabe Davis, hit or miss, but I I think there's still room for a DeAndre Hopkins to open up that offense as far as a pass catcher. So money also potentially an issue with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. But let's face it, everybody gets very creative around restructuring contracts. They have a couple veterans that they could restructure their contracts to make something more favorable for DeAndre Hopkins should they decide to bring him in. The best part would have been if he also mentioned money in that criteria because that would have been like the football <laughs> equivalent of like, so I'm looking for a house. Yeah. <laughs> I need 10,000 square feet. I need a pool. I need a three-car garage attached with heated floors. Mm-hmm. By the way, I am willing to pay 10% of what it's worth. Yeah. Open uh, concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Open concept. yeah I got to have that big spacious yeah. kitchen, right, yeah. with the new appliances. Mm-hmm. Essential. Here's the, here's the thing though i mean as much as we sort of mock it think about where he came from he was a houston he witnessed what it was like to be in an organization that was not stable that had the worst possible problem potentially one of the more challenging franchises in the league to be a part of then he goes to arizona and what's happening in arizona we see it sort of crumbling and falling apart and now he you know he had a quarterback who there was obviously a lot of discussion around kyler murray but also coming off an acl injury I think it's legitimate about him wanting stability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I, I certainly think that there's some real credence to it. I, I'm just reserving the right that, like, if he says all those things are accurate, I can also ask for those same things in two years after getting a big deal this time around. I would say, yeah, I get it, man. Like, wait until the next contract to be super selective and maybe rule out money as opposed to making it a primary factor. Sure. So. I will reserve judgment on the money side until the contract is actually signed. What do you think, Daniel, for a landing spot? I thought this was interesting because Stefania just brought up the Houston Texans. What about going to an organization that desperately needs their plan to work out 
in the Cleveland Browns because that is a front office <laughs> yeah. that has put a ton of money into their plan around Deshaun Watson. And oh, by the way, I've played with that quarterback I've before. I've played with that guy before. So what about him going to Cleveland to be able to help make sure that that plan and everything that they did works out in the way that they had talked about? Obviously, they want him to be able to throw the football a little bit more. He's got Amari Cooper there, but the options after that number one pass catcher, I mean, you're talking David and Joku, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and it's just not the same. So mm-hmm. to have Deshaun Watson, who we've already seen be good with DeAndre Hopkins, I think that that's at least a spot where you could look at because that's an organization, like I've already said two other times, that needs their plan to work out. Otherwise, they are all in, in trouble. Excuse me. By the way, the D-Hop, Deshaun Watson bromance, very much evident by Watson's comments saw. yesterday mm-hmm. when he was talking about how he would love to have DeAndre Hopkins back with him in Cleveland, a team that's about to pick up about $11 million in cap space. I don't want to get too far into the weeds unless we have a drop, which we need to include at some point. We need like a nerd drop. And we talk about the salary cap at some point here on the show because the Browns, because of prior post June one designated releases are about to get a whole bunch more money. Cleveland, a team that Daniel is right. They need to win this year. Deshaun Watson's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I don't like to call coaches hot seat candidates in late May, but if you're Kevin Stefanski and you come off of a disappointing season and follow that up with another disappointing season, I think we can all safely assume that will be an organization that we would say, is it time for a change? Yep. Stefania mentioned the criteria, also mentioned recently by DeAndre Hopkins himself on the I Am Athlete pod with some of the quarterbacks he'd love to play with. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, amongst oh, wow. those quarterbacks. Go to <laughs> going to say, DeAndre. much like me, I would love to play <laughs> with those quarterbacks as well. I don't think that Mac Jones is in the, I think we all know Mac Jones is not at the level of those quarterbacks as of yet. But what I do think about DeAndre Hopkins is that, and maybe this is because this is the only reality we've known for him. He is at his best when he is clearly the number one option in the passing game for his team, which by the way, has basically been his entire career. If he goes to Kansas city, while he would be obviously wide receiver one, he would be a little bit offset by Travis Kelsey. If he goes to Buffalo, like we just discussed Mm -hmm. a little bit offset by Stefan Dix. If he goes to New England, there ain't no two ways about it. He's the best player on that roster amongst the pass catchers right away. This is a team that as of right now, the Patriots highest ranked wide receiver in our collective rankings is Juju Smith Schuster. They have had a, they have not had a 1000 yard receiver since 2019. Julian Edelman back in 2009. That's four seasons ago. So for a team that I think, even though the Patriots have a lot of things on defense going for them, the offense has to be better because it can't be worse than last year. In an AFC East that is just loaded, this would be their best shot to kind of reassert themselves into the mix. And for D-Hop, well, I get it. Mac Jones, not as established as the quarterbacks that we have discussed up to this point. If he wants the chance to be the guy New England would represent that. And as far as fantasy is concerned, if he goes there, I think he would again be right around that top 15 or 18 wide receivers in our initial rankings right after the signing. The Patriots in pretty good cap space, situa- uh, pretty good cap space health right now as well. So they might be able to offer more than a team like the Chiefs, who at, at this very mm-hmm. moment, and things can change, this very moment are definitely very tight up against the yeah, cap. That's, that's an interesting one for sure, because uh, let me let me ask you this. Let's say they signed DeAndre Hopkins yeah. today. Are they Where do they rank in the AFC East, not just the AFC, the AFC East, probably still fourth. Maybe, maybe they're probably you know what, still though, the fourth. But, like, but let me ask you this though: is relative to other teams that are ranked fourth in their respective mm-hmm. divisions right now in our preseason prognostications, like whoever you think is the bottom dweller of the NFC East, like it would. T- probably, I'm assuming the Commanders, mm-hmm. right? Like absolutely, it would take a lot of crazy things to happen 
for them to finish above like both Dallas and Philadelphia, right? Like the Patriots may be fourth, but if you plunk them down in the A in the NFC South, where would they rank for you? In the they uh, maybe first, probably first, yeah, right? Probably, like, yeah, I close get to the like, Saints, yeah, yeah. Maybe they yeah. may be fourth, but it's like not all fourth place teams are created equally, right? So I, agree, I think they'd be a respectable yeah. team this year. I think they're gonna That's be respectable fair. either way. That's fair. I just think if you're really looking at a championship, unless the <clears throat> unless the money is substantially different, which maybe it will be, it's got. I mean, it's got to be the Chiefs if there's an offer on the table. Like well, it just feels yeah, like. Well, but we again, we don't know that his close. criteria is like every player is going to say I want to win. Yeah. Right. But like we're talking I, about yeah, fantasy mm-hmm. fits, right? Like I think we would, like, would you prefer him just for your purposes? Would you prefer him as the in Buffalo or New England? Just for fantasy purposes. Like, if you had for DeAndre fa- Hopkins um, right now, I would, you already say, drafted I would say New England. Okay. I, I would say so New England for fantasy. Point. That's, that's yeah. right. This yeah. is what we're talking about. The best fantasy fit, not necessarily the best fit for DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. to Yeah. But I just keep, my, I could just keep resetting to like, he has to go to the chiefs. Okay. Like, yeah. No, no, no. Like I'm just already there. Like we he's already on that roster. I'm just saying, I think I already updated the projections. He's on the team. Like fantasy fits, fantasy fits wise. I think the Patriots make sense. And just a note, Mike mentioned he has, him as wide receiver 13 right now? I think it was 15. 15? Yeah, okay. I just left him go. Yeah. I uh, pulled the opposite card. I just dropped him to wide receiver 30 and made the note mentally that like, I'll readdress it once he has mm-hmm. a team. Not that there was like a team that he could go to that I would say to myself like, that is an awful, awful landing spot and that I think he'll end up as wide receiver 30, but just because if anybody is an early drafter and they're worried about the uncertainty surrounding mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins right now, that's why he's a little bit lower for me. Feel that I feel like there's just a big AFC bias here. All four of the teams that we picked were AFC teams. Are there any NFC teams that are even in the running for DeAndre Hopkins right now? I mean, for all we know, there are, I mean, the whole league could be in the running yeah, for DeAndre Hopkins I right everybody now, could right? Be, I mean, it seems like the teams that everyone's talking about are all AFC but that, teams. That feels like how it's been with like the NFL at large over the past like two off seasons, right? Everybody who's changing conferences is going from the NFC to the AFC. I mean, between Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. like there's been so much Russell Wilson last year. There's been so much NFC to AFC migration. That yeah. Just feels like the AFC has become like, this is the, the this is now a sort of a David versus Goliath NFL. Yeah. What there, did we get back? Derek Carr? Derek Carr. <laughs> yeah. Derek 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 Carr. Carr. yeah. Um, yes. There's been some uh, Cowboys chatter. I don't think that makes much sense. No, I mean, you already no. got Brandon no, Cooks no, to go I with CD Lamb and Michael Gallup. I don't, you can only put three receivers on the field at a time. I don't think that makes sense. And they're talking up Michael Gallup as well. So I can't see that one happening. Lions That'd fans really wanted to. And I just can't, I can't imagine that happening either. It's interesting. Yeah. It no, it's interesting. It is. Yeah. I mean, for six games, we're not going to have Jamison Williams. Yeah, I don't hate that. Pretty, yeah. pretty cushy in terms of, of cap space right now. <laughs> I just don't think it's going to happen. But, you know, it's one of those situations where it's every fan base on their yeah. own. Play, everyone is like, yes, we should go out and get DeAndre Hopkins, mm-hmm. as you should be, probably. So let's go to the other side of this from the Cardinals perspective. DeAndre Hopkins no longer there, which leaves a roster that was already bereft of star power <laughs> that much thinner. Let's talk about the wide receivers. And I think that everybody knows that Hollywood Brown stands to benefit the most. This was a player who last year in DeAndre Hopkins absence did have a strong start to the season. Mike, Good. what kind of value do we see for Hollywood Brown now going forward? Yeah. So let's talk about that weeks one through six with Kyler Murray and without DeAndre Hopkins, <laughs> 10.8 targets per game. That was a 27% target share, which is huge. 18.3 fantasy points per game. Yep. That was seventh. So then later in the season, uh, his when Kyler Murray was out, he wasn't very good in fantasy, right? The numbers were poor, but he did have 35 targets in five games. So even without Kyler, he was still seeing a lot of volume. And that's notable, obviously, because Kyler Murray, we expect to start perhaps on the PUP list and missed six, eight, ten games. We don't know for sure. But uh, the good news was he was featured last season, even when DeAndre Hopkins was on the field. So 
you know, you look at that and you say, look, out of the gate last season, he was producing wide receiver one numbers. We've seen him be a good wide receiver too when he was with Baltimore. I like him a lot. I think he's one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL. And there's an opportunity here for him and frankly, Rondale Moore to see a ton of volume in this offense. So even if they struggle, I could see I could see Brown being a weekly wide receiver too. I like I'll I'll circle back to Rondell Moore a second. I think it's important to mention him briefly, Mike. Mm -hmm. But I thought that last weeks one through six that you just alluded to, those eighteen point three fantasy points per game were important in a way, but also like I get what people will push back. New quarterback likely, new coach, Mm -hmm. new system, not the same GM that traded the first round pick for him. That being said, what I think those weeks one through six really underscored was that there was a time late in Hollywood Brown's tenure with the Ravens where people were wondering, like, is this guy even good or was he just fast and explosive in college? I think that last season at the beginning of the year, it showed that if given the opportunity, he can really produce. I don't know the quarterback question mark concerns me that much. Colt McCoy, who I think will be the starter to begin the season did fine at the beginning of at the end of last season like he did not he did not uh torpedo the value of someone like d hop when he was still playing with colt mccoy i think the same can be said for hollywood brown i think the bigger question mark surrounding the ceiling of hollywood brown is probably tied to just how much touchdown equity is there for this entire offense because it certainly looks in terms of rosters one to 53 right now like one of the worst in the nfl i mean it's got to be in the bottom five mm-hmm. i would say at the very very best so right now i have hollywood brown wide receiver 28 I think it's a reasonable range for him, though. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm in the same range. I'm in the same range as you. I think I'm actually one spot higher after my my latest adjustment, but uh, that's fine. I mean, you get him as a wide receiver three. I feel like he's going to be discounted because of all the problems people have, all the concerns people have with the Cardinals offense. I think he'll be a value, as he often is. I, I have him as a top 30 wide receiver, and I have Rondell Moore as a guy that's you know inside my top probably 45 because of that, because Rondell Moore did have some nice games yeah. and he, he did show out nicely, very different with the way that he got there than Hollywood Brown, because all of his targets were right at the line of scrimmage, super short. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Last thought on Hollywood before I ask mm-hmm. you about Rondell Moore, Mike, is that I think coming out of Oklahoma because of the speed that he had, and we saw this early in his Ravens career, remember his very first game, he had two touchdowns against mm-hmm. the Dolphins. It was like a 58 to seven blowout mm-hmm. or something. And it's like, oh, this guy just needs four catches to get to 140 yards. I think if Hollywood Brown's ADOT average depth of target this year is near the lowest of his career, it might be just fine for fantasy because he will pile up targets. He would not surprise me if he surpassed 150 next year, if he stays on the field for all 17 games more on Rondale though, Mike, because he's one of those players that like in theory, super talented. We're all tantalized by him. He was a second round pick. He mm-hmm. was one of the best players in college football from the moment he got to Purdue. What's the fantasy upside though? Yeah, so in terms of ceiling, not so sure. But in terms of floor, I think this could be a guy we feel pretty good about. And we've seen it so far. The problem is he's tiny and he's been hurt a lot. But when he's been on the field, he's been featured. Last season had at least eight targets in five games. He only played seven full games. So when he was out there and healthy, he was heavily targeted. was actually 30th on a points per game basis last season. More of a short range target. You were just talking about that with Brown. Rondale Moore is going to be that guy uh, that's used heavily in the short range. So. Um, I, you know, I think that he's going to be a very interesting sleeper. I think I'm going to be drafting him a lot this season. And you know what I was thinking about? You and I talked about this before the show. Remember last season, like through like weeks four or five, Curtis Samuel was leading all receivers in touches. I think yeah. he was leading the NFL or, or leading all receivers in touches. I feel like that if that's Rondale Moore in like early November this year, I'll be like, yeah, that actually checks out because they don't really have anyone else, right? Once you get past them guys, you're talking about Michael Wilson, who's the mm-hmm. third round rookie. You're talking about guys like Greg Dorch. Remember Zach Ertz? 
probably he might miss time too. He's probably going to start on PUP at a, an ACL last year. So there's room for him to quietly and carry the ball too. Yeah. So he's going to get the occasional carry on top of seeing six, seven, eight, nine targets at times. So, and they're going to be, they're going to be trailing. They're going to have to throw it a lot. He's just going to be one of them quiet PPR monsters, I think. And I'm going to, I'm going to, you feel like, you know, what the offense shots is going to look like though. I think so. Yeah. I mean, are, are they going to struggle without Kyler Murray? I do. But when you're throwing the ball, 25 know, times like in the second so half. There's so many changes yeah. there. Like they, they are just completely volume. blown up. Yeah. I mean, look, he's not going to score touchdowns anyway at his size. He's never going to be a big touchdown guy. Yeah. Just one of them guys that's going to quietly soak up catches in the short range and just be a, a sneaky PPR guy. That's like, it's like, oh, he's 26 in fantasy points and through week eight, you know, yeah. like it's, it's going to sneak up on you, but I think there's some value there. Totally right. with you. Let's go uh, from Arizona to Las Vegas where I don't, it's interesting. Like I don't exactly know what the lead is as it pertains to Jimmy Garoppolo, because there's been a lot of recent reporting to me. The most notable headline was that last week when the Raiders were on the field for OTAs with the media available, Jimmy Garoppolo was not seen. And there was later reporting, <clears throat> excuse me, I believe from the athletic initially that he was not expected to be ready until potentially the start of training camp. So Stefania, let's get to the expository here. What more do we know about this foot issue plaguing Jimmy G? So, I, yeah, cause I want to talk about all of this. I think the reporting has puzzled me a little bit and how dramatically it's been reported. If you go back to last season, Jimmy G got just over halfway through the year and had a foot injury. We've certainly seen him have multiple injuries in the past. If you remember at the time it was called a list Frank and then it wasn't, it's what you call a bony list Frank where you essentially have fractures in the middle of the foot, but you don't have soft tissue damage and the foot stays stable. And for that reason, he didn't have surgery. The fractures heal and you can recover from that. And that was how they proceeded with Jimmy Garoppolo. There was even a thought that he could potentially make it back if they were to go all the way to the Super Bowl. Could he be available? And I think that was all factored into it. But he was doing well. In fact, he was doing so well that in the offseason, you know, he's been rehabbing and getting ready. And there's been no issues with his foot. So I think it took all of us a little bit by surprise that he was having surgery. But let me talk to you about what happens when a player switches teams. They come in and they get a physical. And sometimes the team has concerns about what they see, especially if there's an injury that has been in place before that player joins the team. And they haven't seen that player on the field since he's had that injury. So everything can be going great, but they haven't seen him play football again. And they must have seen something in their uh, pre-signing reviews that gave them concern about, how those fractures were healing, right? And we heard, I heard Dan Graziano on one of our shows reporting about they actually did surgery to uh, put some uh, hardware in at the base of the second metatarsal, essentially part of the midfoot. That tells me that somebody in the Raiders decided they wanted to shore up where that injury was. So they felt more confident about his foot going into the season. I think it's important to note, Jimmy wasn't having any problems. This is something that sounds like was a, a team decision because they didn't want to deal with the potential for a problem during the year. He is essentially on track to start uh, when the season begins. It's a 12-week recovery. We're about six weeks into it. So I fully expect Jimmy to be there and be ready to go. And full stop, end of sentence. Also, a waiver claim for a body part is very common in the NFL. Uh, when you have things like this happen where they say, you know what? We'll, we'll take you on, but except for that foot. Mm. So we want you to sign a waiver for the foot. So if something happens to that foot, we're not responsible. But if he injures his shoulder, his knee, anything else, 
that falls under the purview of the team. So uh, the waiver to me is not abnormal. It's a little unusual in the quarterback, and I think that's why it's getting so much attention. The foot, I think, is fine, barring a surprise. I expect him to be ready to go. But the Raiders have given themselves with this signing and out so that they do not have to pay him if there's a problem with his foot and he can't be. The team's always going to protect itself in the event that worst case scenario hits. I wouldn't read too much more into the injury waiver than what Stefania just said in the fact that if Jimmy Garoppolo is on the beach this summer and missteps and that foot gets from where it goes from where it is now to worse than it's ever been. Well, he's probably going to regret that because he may be out of a job, but the headline should be that the Raiders knew this and that there is a, yeah. an expectation that Jimmy G is going to be available, if not for the start of the season, then very soon thereafter. So I'll ask just the fantasy side of this. Did this impact anything at all, Mike, for your wide receiver ranks? No, not right now. I already had uh, Garoppolo projected to miss some time because that's been his career. By yeah, now. Yes, we have yeah. a long, right. long resume of him missing time. So I had a little extra time in there for... Uh, Brian Hoyer, who is number two on the depth chart. He took Aiden Maybe. O'Connell in the fourth round. Yeah. Maybe all Tom the New Brady. England quarterbacks. All the former New England <laughs> yeah. quarterbacks, right? <laughs> I said Tom Brady. Fields eyes just rolled out of no, the back of his head. Because <laughs> I love like, one of my least favorite parts of the pre-draft process because it's so unfair to the athletes. Is like when we do the quarterbacks. Every year without fail, the top quarterbacks, it's like, you know, closest comp is like, you know, like Joe Montana with a bit more mobility. It's like. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. What? Like you know, the one of the greatest players of all time with a bit more mobility, and it's like you know has Tom Brady's football IQ and competitiveness. It's like okay, we don't compare guys yeah. to the goats, right? Like unless it's LeBron freaking James who has met every expectation and probably exceeded them twenty years later. We don't throw those kind of uh, those kind of comparisons around. And yet I heard it during the pre-draft <laughs> process. It was that Aiden Oak. Like there was some. I, I can't what they were, but like people actually were throwing around. Like you said, Mike. Like is is that you recall this as well, right? Like Aiden. I, Oak- I, I do. Had some Brady. I do. I'm going to let you finish your finish your no, tantrum because I actually this is not kids, what I meant. Right? Just keep going. You <laughs> just so finish it's, up. First of all, it's it's unfair to the kids, and I'm not sure that like it paints the most accurate picture of who these players actually are. Sure. Right? Like Aiden O'Connell. The way that I think he's similar to Tom Brady is that he played in the Big Ten. How's that for college? Like that's my comparison between those two players. Okay, so fair on all fronts. But what I meant was Tom Brady now going to be a part no, owner of the Raiders. Yeah, He'll come out of retirement, oh, start okay. games for the Raiders. I, I was totally misreading, but I wanted you to have your have your moment. So, okay. but I, I do want to um, piggyback off something you said because I think what's happening. You make a very good point. You've baked in the injury risk factor for Jimmy Garoppolo because mm-hmm. we've seen that he's had trouble getting through a full season. He hasn't been able to do it. I think people are conflating that with this foot issue. And they are really two separate issues to me. This is about the team giving themselves an out if there's some issue with a pre-existing condition. We all know what a pre-existing condition is. We, we all deal with that with the insurance. It's being treated like that to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're excessively worried or this wouldn't have been their option to begin with. Um, but expecting that he could miss time because of the chance he might get hurt in any sort of way is very reasonable because that's been the pattern. All right, so we're about halfway through the show, which is a good time for us to move on from the news to some dynasty ranks. Uh, I just wanted to mention something before we do so, which is tomorrow is June 1st, and I wish we had our nerd drops. We could use it right now. I do, because, by the way, I appreciate nerd drop is not applying to me for no, once. It applies like, to all of us, right? Yeah, like, I think it's important. No, but usually like, it's me, though. Having, like, a fundamental... When someone says nerd, it's just... like Even the cameraman just goes right to me. You're just like, this is about Mike. But I think a fundamental understanding of the salary cap is a really important job for any sports reporter, but definitely the NFL, where it's so nuanced. 
And tomorrow is an important day. This is a little bit deep in the weeds, but there's been all this speculation this offseason about Dalvin Cook potentially being traded by the Minnesota Vikings. After tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern time, and we don't have a show until next week, so I wanted to say this now. If the Vikings were to trade Dalvin Cook, the dead money, which is just money that counts towards your salary cap for a player that's not on your team, would be divided evenly between 2023 and 2024. So it lessens the blow for this year, a year in which the Vikings are already very much doing a salary cap type salary cap tightrope and they haven't even paid Justin Jefferson yet, which we know when that's done is probably going to be the richest wide receiver contract ever. So, if something happens with Dalvin Cook at some point after tomorrow, Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern time, wouldn't totally stun me. I'm just saying just because of the fact that it's been lingering all offseason mm-hmm. as speculation most trades either gain a lot of traction right away or we know that they are sort of dying on the vine neither has happened with dalvin cook which is why i'm keeping my eye out for that possibility this also comes on the heels of kevin o'connell their head coach talking about alexander madison and being excited to see some of his three down skill sets just file that one away in case something does happen i don't know isn't in their promo they feature alexander madison there's been some signs that perhaps a trade could become a matter of when not if we're going to discuss dynasty players that are giving us a hard time as we try to build our ranks for 2023 but first a word from daniel on geico yeah that's right geico asks how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance yep well of course you would and when it comes to great rates on insurance geico can help like with insurance for your car truck motorcycle boat and rv even help with your homeowners or renters coverage plus an easy to use mobile app available 24-hour roadside assistance and more and geico is just an easy choice switch today see other ways that you could save it's easy simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today all right we are back and my clay i just jumped the gun so hard that was yeah, terrible that's all right. i'm so <laughs> out of touch it. right now you got it wow mike you nailed it like you nailed them shoes and sock combo look at that <laughs> these are just beautiful LeBron i need, nines, I need a pair of those uh, lebron nines are available right now everywhere Welcome. you buy your shoes Let's talk uh, Dynasty Rankings. And Mike is the one that is responsible for building out our full database of Dynasty Rankings. Be sure to check those out. They're always available on ESPN.com, and they're a tremendous resource for anybody that does play Dynasty. Let's talk about some players that have given us fits, Daniel. And I said this when I was we were talking about this uh, in the past couple of days. Like, I don't want to just hear about the guy who's old, right? Like, it's tough to rank Derrick Henry right now because he is awesome and might be awesome for this year. Three years from now, who knows where Derrick Henry could be? Right. Let's talk about players who we think have like, a pretty long runway ahead of them in the NFL, but for one reason or reasons or another, they are tricky to rank You begin with a certain quarterback in New York. That's right. And one of the things that's really tough for me, I have Daniel Jones as somebody that is really hard because one of the things that I want is a young mobile quarterback in Dynasty. Daniel Jones fits the bill with both of those things, right? That's not the part that I'm worried about with Daniel Jones. What I'm worried about is the passing game, okay? Mm -hmm. But I I quickly want to say this. From a running perspective, fifth in rushing yards last season with 708, which was fantastic. He had seven games with 70 or more rushing yards or a touchdown, which is great. You're looking for someone to be able to use his legs like that. He had seven weeks inside the top 12, three weeks inside the top five. So we've seen what Daniel Jones can do. The downside to Daniel Jones for me as a dynasty quarterback 
is everybody that's around him right now. Because for him to take the next step as a passer, he's got to have better skill position players around him for us to see what he can do. Only 15 touchdowns and five interceptions last year, Mike, which was frustrating. But when you look at the guys he's playing with, Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton, Paris Campbell, Wandell Robinson, Jalen Hyatt, Sterling Shepard, Jamison Crowder, and then basically the two good guys, which is Saquon and Darren Waller. Yeah. There's that cupboard is just so bare. I want to see him take the next step as a passer in order for a dynasty perspective to feel like he can continue this because I don't want to see him using his legs. He's not going to use his legs for the next 10 years this way. So can he do more Mm -hmm. with his arm? Yeah, that's really a question, right? What is the ceiling? Is this a guy that's going to add a lot of value with his legs and be a fringe QB one long-term? Or is it a guy that we haven't seen a ceiling as a passer yet because of what's been around him, the Giants dead last in passing touchdowns over the last three seasons. Could they be a team that sneaks into the Hopkins sweepstakes Mm -hmm. and kind of changes the outlook here on Daniel Jones? But you're right. I'm I'm with you. an eighth wide receiver to the room. Yeah. You need number threes or twos, right? You don't have a one, right? So their one is not going to be. That's a question. Diminutive group of pass catchers as well there, other than Darren Waller. All those wide receivers you mentioned, many of them were like four or five guys who were slot guys, right? Like that's been where they have thrived during the apex of their career, whether old or young. My first players were Shad Baton. And let's talk about age, 23 years old, right? A guy should have a long career ahead of him. He was a first round pick just two years ago. And we were all thrilled for the prospect of Rashad Bateman joining Lamar Jackson, feeling like maybe he had finally gotten that wide receiver one that he had been longing for. And in just two years since then, all of a sudden he might be wide receiver three on his own team. Except for the fact that last week, when asked about Rashad Bateman, Lamar Jackson referred to him as wide receiver one as the guy. Like, and maybe that's just the fact that he has been around Rashad Bateman for two additional years compared to Odell Beckham Jr. and Zay Flowers. But in the small sample size that we have seen from Rashad Bateman, because injuries have been a problem for him, both during the pre-draft process and also in his first two seasons of the NFL, he has had some moments that reminded you of why he was such a good player, both at Minnesota and in moments during his Ravens tenure Mm -hmm. last season, he had only 15 catches Mm -hmm. 19 yards per catch. Even if you take away that one 75 yard touchdown, it reduces down to 15 yards per catch. So he's got some big play upside. He has a quarterback that could be one of the very best in the NFL again this season. And all of a sudden he's a forgotten man. I don't exactly know what I expect from Rashad Bateman this year, but if he was the wide receiver one for the Ravens, I wouldn't be stunned. If he's become a virtual non-factor at the end of the year, I also wouldn't be stunned. Yeah, the the uh, the vertical role almost scares me a little bit from a fantasy perspective because you might be looking at MVS Gabe Davis sort of yeah, usage where totally he's just fair. a situational deep threat with Flowers and Beckham and yep. Andrews and designing plays for Dobbins. You know, and, and then don't forget Lamar scrambling four or five t- times sure. a game. So, yeah, I'm, I have concerns. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I love the player, but it's just hard to see I a pass short term. It's tough, too, because you might call Rashad Bateman wide receiver one, but he got someone else $18 million this offseason. And, and he so wants Hopkins. Right. Like, there's, <laughs> yeah. it's easy yeah. for you to say those things, I feel like, but it's well, another I, thing. Sure. I think he has, he has been when Lamar's been playing, but he doesn't know what he's getting yet with Odell Beckham and Zay Flowers because he hasn't been with them or DeAndre Hopkins should that happen. I so yeah. I think Rashad Bateman is his wide receiver one. They're all his wide uh, receiver one. He's, yeah. talking up now, his he's talking up his I don't guys. Think, yeah. and I'm just saying, I don't think he was fibbing about that, mm-hmm. but that it, that could totally change once they're all in the field together. Mike, let's go to you next. You got a player in mind as well. Yeah, another, one. another easy one, right? You could rank this guy, uh, Canary Stoney, like 80th or like 20th, right? Yeah. It's just It's just a wide range because... 
who is the real Kadarius Tony when he's featured and on the field to get the ball at? He's productive, whether it's been with the Giants or the Chiefs last season. When he's been on the field, he averaged 13 snaps a game. So is, does that change the season? Is this a guy that's just a gadget player, essentially, that has that kind of Miko Hardman sort of feel? Or is it a guy that's, uh, you know, going to play, you know, 60, 70, 80% of the snaps and be a feature player, one of the best offenses in the NFL? So, Look, it's just it's just tough. He's a first round pick. He looks like the real deal. He just struggles with injury. And I, again, couldn't find the field last season. If he's featured, he's going to be a must start in fantasy, a breakout player this season. If he's just a situational player, he's going to be useless in fantasy. So that makes it really hard. And he he's number one. Like he was the first name I thought of for yeah. this exercise. Like I, I I don't know what to make of him. And I have him on like all of my dynasty teams. So I'd love to know. I'd yeah. love to know who he is. Hey, I made a trade last year. The the basis of it. There were other ingredients involved. What Kadarius Tony? My Kadarius Tony. This was before he got traded, and mm-hmm. he was basically a wall with the Giants uh, for Dalton Schultz. I needed the tight end, and I had mm-hmm. good wide receiver depth. And at the time, I was like, I think this might be okay. Once he got traded to the Chiefs, I was kind of like oblique. And then it's like, I don't know what to make of it. Schultz is fine, right? He's probably going to be around the 10th best tight end, but it's a good sort of example of just how difficult it is to assess what Tony will be long term. It'll be interesting to see when they get a full year with him because there, there were some massive problems with him at the Giants. And, yeah. and now, you know, they've won. He's had that success. You know, does it motivate him? going into this year and is he going to be healthy and how's that going to look yeah. or is it going to be like well I've sort of arrived yeah, and it makes... goes back to some of the issues the Giants or is had. he released in week five like there's yeah. so many ranges <laughs> of outcomes here right. we just don't know let's stay with the Giants Stefania for your first pick yeah so to me it's just uh, if you look at the wide receiver room for the Giants it's exceptionally crowded mm-hmm. but there's no clear number one right now I think Wandale Robinson is very exciting 20 draft pick in uh, in in 2022, but then tears his ACL, I think it was week 11. Um, and so now you don't know exactly what his status is. The Giants are very optimistic about how he's doing, but I do know one thing about their staff. They are not going to rush him back. So at what point do we see Wandale Robinson? And, you know, we talk about guys coming back and not necessarily being, uh, you know, or being a bit of a shell of themselves until they get into the second year at following an ACL injury. So my question is, what do we expect as far as projection for Wanda Robinson, mm-hmm. if you're thinking everything's positive, he could potentially, could he be a number one wide mm-hmm. receiver? He could. But what if there are bumps? What if it doesn't go so well? What happens as the rest of the team shakes out? Obviously, Darius Slayton is their uh, old veteran who they have on the team. But you mentioned all these different receivers. They, had, they signed Paris Campbell for, what was it, a one-year deal. Um, they got Isaiah Hodgins. And then don't forget Sterling Shepard is there too. I mean, Sterling Shepard may not stay. You know, they're doing the right thing and he's rehabbing with them. Remember, he had the ACL and the Achilles tear back to back, just a horrible situation. And at least he's getting through the rehab point. But I I don't know that he'll even exist. But to me, it was really about the balance in the wide receiver room and not knowing how to project, not just for this year, Wondell Robinson, but what what are we going to be thinking about him if this year is a bit of a lost cause? Yeah. I was I'm probably a bit more lukewarm in general, only because I don't think he's like a blue chip blue chip prospect. I think he's a solid young wide receiver prospect, but profiles obviously as a slot receiver where touchdown upside is limited. So 
It's a tricky one, though, because that room is so crowded. Like, he might play every snap if he's healthy, or he might play 25% because there are so many bodies there. Daniel, of course, close to home here for you with Jamison Williams. Yeah, this one really hurts because Jamison Williams, Mike, we talk about this. You love those first-round wide receivers, right? Jamison Williams came in with a ton of pedigree mm-hmm. to a Lions offense that needed a deep threat. They had Amon Ross St. Brown that worked out so well, but looking for someone to be able to take the top off the defense. The problem is he played technically six games, only had nine targets. I have more targets from NFL quarterbacks than Jamison Williams does. Russell you Wilson do? has thrown yeah. me the football more than nine times. What, really? Yes. How many did you catch? Because okay. he caught one. All of them. You oh. caught all of them? I did, yes. Wow. Maybe How about if there was you no suspension, though? Would you feel the same way or no? So here's this is part of the concern, right? Like, And I would love, I, I really want you guys to weigh in here. How many just rookies, just in general, not just wide receivers, offensive players, fantasy players, how many rookies miss an entire first season mm-hmm. And then come in and forget about the six game suspension and then come in that next year and are able to like fully kick things off. I'm worried about that first year. It makes me think of guys like Travis Etienne. Like Travis Etienne, I think, is one of the most successful versions, right? Yeah. Uh, Travis Kelsey, I mean, different position, but yeah. he did that. He, he missed his that. whole rookie Mike season. Mike Williams, yeah. like former Detroit Lions yeah, wide is, receiver. Mm-hmm. Like that mm-hmm. makes me nervous because okay. there's yes. so much time that he's taken off and we haven't seen it. I've seen it from Jahan Dotson. Yeah. I've seen not, it from Drake yeah. London. That's the, that's the question I have, right? We have not seen it yet. It's going to be a year and a half into his career and he's probably not going to come in in week seven and just be featured right away. Yeah. So how long until, and then we don't know, like, look, we hate it, but guys are busts too. It might just not I, work out. Uh, it might not work out for him. Wide receiver so. with all of his talent, or he could be. That's like, exactly that's, right. I'm with you. He's a very hard guy to rank. Interesting. I'm pretty bullish. Yeah. Really? I, I'm, I'm yeah. bullish as well, but I we don't know. Of, yeah, I, mean, I feel far more optimistic on him. I think, again, I'm discounting that first year because coming off the ACL, remember, we at the when we we're going into the start of the season, there was a question about whether he'd even take the field. Mm-hmm. So to me, the fact that he got those games under his belt makes me feel much, much better about him coming into this year. And the only thing keeping him out at the beginning is the suspension, but he gets to go through camp. Not a great and way to pre- start. Yeah, NFL but but, I, but mm-hmm. that's not. Um, he gets camp and he gets preseason and he get. If you're talking about him acclimating to the NFL game and the NFL game speed, I'm pretty comfortable that that's sort of already happening. Well, I was going to say everybody else has to acclimate to his speed because yeah, right. he get off coming off of an ACL. He was the fastest player in the yeah, league. Remember that he was one time when he yeah, did, I mean, he blew down the field. Jared Goff is going to have to just like take an extra hitch to throw yes, the ball is. as far as he possibly can. Yeah. I th- I'm less. I'm less concerned. Yeah, I I mean, look, I'm optimistic about him, but I think Daniel's point, not to speak for you, is just like Garrett Wilson, right? They were drafted near each other. We know we're like Garrett Wilson, top 10 dynasty receiver. We feel great about it. Jameson Williams, we're like, I mean, if he played last season, he might be top 10 as well, right? He has the same pedigree, but now we're ranking him, what, like 30th? Because we just aren't sure, right? He hasn't played yet. And even when he did play last year, he wasn't on the field. So there's just more more of a range of outcomes for him. Yeah, I would take it. All right. So for Dynasty, we like when players enter the NFL. Young gives you a long, long career potentially ahead of you. Chase Claypool is one of those players. He's 24 Mm -hmm. going into his fourth NFL season. And while the trade was made during the middle of last year, the Bears were willing to trade a second round pick to acquire Chase Claypool ended up becoming pick 32 overall. Obviously, the Dolphins forfeited their pick, and the Bears had the number one overall pick because they had the worst record in the league last year. So a very, very juicy pick goes to Pittsburgh in this trade. But let's like circle back to just a couple of years ago. Chase Claypool, as a rookie, had 11 total touchdowns, made his playoff debut, albeit in a route against the Browns. Remember that game in which Kevin Stefanski wasn't available because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Claypool had five catches, 59 yards, two touchdowns, seemingly looked like the next great Pittsburgh Steelers draft find at wide receiver. 
things changed and it seemed like he kind of fell out of favor, maybe even like under Mike Tomlin's watch, like not necessarily from a skill set standpoint, but from like a maturity, there was some decision-making on the field. The chase Claypool needed to tighten up. Remember that play? I think it was against the Vikings on a Thursday night football game, some primetime game where like two minute drill. And rather than like running back the football to the center, like he got up and gave it like the first down sign or something, something that cost him a couple seconds. Bottom line is this things changed with chase Claypool. And yet for the, Bears, when they acquired him, part of the calculus was he can be that big perimeter playmaking wide receiver that we need for Justin Fields. And now it feels like all the momentum is back in the favor of both DJ Moore and to a lesser degree, Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool is kind of the forgotten man. Should he be? I don't think this offense will sustain multiple top 20 or 25 wide receivers Mm -hmm. this season. But I do think in a couple of years with continued growth from Justin Fields, we could have multiple Bears pass catchers be a real factor in fantasy. Will Chase Claypool be one of them or not? Yeah, Fields is kind of on the Jalen Hurts path. And if he can make that leap and they throw the ball more, maybe. But that's like the ceiling, right? That's like the ceiling. That's going to be it's going to be really tough with DJ Moore there and Mooney. Not don't forget Cole commit the running game, the scrambles from fields. There's a lot of roadblocks here for Claypool. So I get the, I get your concern. Let's rip through a couple more wide receivers. Then we'll talk about some running backs to wrap up the show. I'm going to go with Traylon Barks and I'll make it quick here. He's 23, 18th overall pick just a year ago. And he had a couple of moments last year. He had seven catches for 111 yards, follow that up a week later with four for 70, then got hurt after a 25 yard touchdown catch. I believe that was a Thursday night football game. I believe it was a concussion on that play ends up not being as available the rest of the season. And I think what this represents for me is not necessarily like totally about the talent. I think Traylon Burks has talent. Mm -hmm. I don't think he is as obviously talented as somebody like Garrett Wilson in the same draft class or Chris Olave in the same draft class or what I believe Jamison Williams will be. But I think that Traylon Burks threads this weird, interesting needle right now where he's got a good enough quarterback in Ryan Tannehill who might be there for just one more season Or he might be there for the next few seasons. And Tennessee is a team that might be good enough to win like seven, eight or nine games this year, especially because of the division they play in that has both Houston and Indianapolis still very much on the come up where it's like, I don't think that the future for uh, Traylon Burks is one more year with Ryan Tannehill. And then his wagon is hitched to Caleb Williams. And you're like, okay, baby, showtime, Tennessee Titans. I think there's a chance this team is going to kind of remain like consistently competitive enough that I'm not sure what the obvious resource is for the quarterback upgrade. So a philosophical question is how soon can a wide receivers quarterback be viewed as a problem? And that's what I don't necessarily know. And the offense too, Mike, because as we know, Tennessee is going to pound the rock as much as anybody until Derrick Henry is no longer on the roster. Yep. This should be one of them situations where it's run heavy, but when they throw the ball, he's the feature target. Should be a high target share here. Uh, And they also manufacture touches for him. He's going to run the ball as well. So I'm excited for him. I'm 27th. But I think what I I was thinking about while you were talking is this is kind of Daniel's point, right? Like these guys were drafted like Garrett Wilson and Traylon Burks were drafted near Jamison Williams. Yeah. We're in year two. Burks is all the way on the other end near 30. Wilson is like in the top 10. Like where does Jamison fall, right? He might have the raw talent and the speed. That doesn't always mean he's going to be a superstar. That's why it makes him complicated where we feel kind of comfortable with Burks around a little bit more. I know he's a tough guy to rank because of that upside and that pedigree, but you know, 
it's funny, you know, you find your your these guys on each of these ranges. Where does Jameson fit? So. I have a hard time with Traylon Burks if I'm a two, and maybe this mm-hmm. is just a, a me thing, but I didn't think that the Tennessee Titans, when they had AJ Brown, they didn't use him the way that they should have. The Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles fate made it very clear you were not using AJ Brown the way that you should have. Yeah. And now Traylon Burks steps in to be basically literally that same role. We're expecting you to come in and do this. He already, I mean, his target share. When you talk about, it, he's going to get a, a big target share. It's a big target share, but on a lower volume right, offense, right? right. right? So it's mm-hmm. one of those like Drake London type tar- target shares where it's, mm-hmm. it looks high, but it's not as big as it feels. So mm-hmm. another guy that I think feel that fits perfectly in this list because there's a lot of question marks. He could be really good, but I don't think the Titans have shown us they've utilized wide receivers from a fantasy perspective very well recently. Yeah, we've seen it in small doses. Let's wrap up with a couple wide receivers quickly here. Stefania, we'll start with Nico Collins, who interests you. Yeah, it, mostly because I have so many questions about the Houston Texans, so many questions about Nico Collins coming into his third year. Was supposed to take a big jump forward last year, working again with Davis Mills. They spent time together in the offseason. You thought he was going to step up. Brandon Cooks was still there, but it looked like an opportunity for Nico Collins and he only plays 10 games as a foot injury. Uh, The problems with the Houston Texans ran layers deep as we know, but so you look at him coming into this year, coming off, basically playing a half a season, you've got an entire new regime in Houston. You've got a new young quarterback in CJ Stroud. You don't really know who's going to be throwing the ball at the start of the year. They brought over Robert Woods from Tennessee. He's now a year removed from his ACL, but he's a veteran who's not like, he, he, I don't think he threatens the Nico Collins potential, but what is going to happen in terms of him as far as being a target for the quarterback, how they're going to use him in this offense? Um, you've got John Mechie coming back. Remember, John Mechie was draft pick from the prior season who uh, played at Alabama with Jamison Williams. Some people thought he was actually the better receiver, better hands player. Jamison, the more electric and the speedy guy. But John Mechie, a very uh, valued receiver coming out of Alabama, but he also was coming off a torn ACL, and then he had leukemia, which he has successfully, congrats to him, treated, and he's going to be back to play. But I think there's just a lot of questions about what is going to happen in the receiver room, who's going to be a quarterback, how is this offense going to look, and I don't know what the future holds for Nico Collins. And I was really excited about him coming back from camp last year. He's young. He's got a lot of potential. I think there's room for growth. How about Rondell Moore? He also makes your list? Yeah, and I think, you know, we've we already talked about okay. the reasons why. I, I mm-hmm. think it's the all the questions surrounding Arizona, and I think Rondell Moore could potentially do everything. There are a lot of opportunities, but I also wonder who's going to step up. They have a couple talented tight ends. I know Zach Ertz may not be back right away. They've got Trey McBride. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pass catchers there. And I don't know, to me, I just don't know that the offense looks exactly the same. Too many changes. No, it'll look different. I should add that, by the way. It's going to look a lot different because you're going from Cliff Kingsbury to a a guy that came behind run-heavy conservative Kevin Stefanski. So Drew Petzig's coming from his And I think that's where my concern is in terms of what what do the pass-catching opportunities look like. And also, I'm still a little nervous about Colt McCoy, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll come back and discuss some running backs in just a moment, including ooh, some very, very interesting names. But first, names. driving without a seatbelt could cost you everything. But despite that, there are still drivers on the road who just won't buckle up. Some of those drivers will be pulled over and given expensive tickets by law enforcement. Some of the drivers not wearing their seatbelts will be involved in crashes. Some will survive, but some won't. Wearing your seatbelts could be the difference between making it home to your loved ones and not making it at all. Every day when you get in your vehicle and decide whether to buckle up, remember that is the single most effective way to protect your life in the event of a crash. Make it home safely to the people you care about. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Pay for by NHTSA. All right, we're back. Let's talk running backs here for a second. Mike, you are first up with a guy that a couple of years ago had a chance, we thought, to become a star. 
Yeah, Cam Akers. So look, if the season last, we were all hyping up Cam Akers all August last season. If the season started in week 13 and finished, we would have looked like geniuses. Yeah. He was RB4 over the final six weeks of the season, almost 20 opportunities per game. He looked like the guy we expected to see all season. But there was also a month where he wasn't even with the team and we thought he was going to get traded. So we saw both sides of the equation last year. It's hard to know what to make of him. Will he be that feature back all season in, a t- in an offense I think will struggle this season? The Rams... Mm-hmm. They look great on paper, personnel wise. So I'm I'm concerned, but they didn't really add anyone, right? So it could also be Acres seeing 20 touches a game again. So he's a really tough guy for me. I tend to lean toward avoiding because of the floor we saw last season, but uh, it's a tricky one for sure. And I was surprised by how little he got involved in the passing game last year. I, I'm not saying he's Christian McCaffrey, but I think he has some reasonable upside as a receiver. Yep. They may, and they could still add someone too. We'll how see you, if they do that. How do you look at Cam Akers understanding that like when he was fantastic, there was no Matthew Stafford, no Cooper Cup, everyone else mm-hmm. from that offense was basically a, and it's tough to be able to say like, okay, can Cam Akers be that same guy inside of a Matthew Stafford led offense when he's not really the focal point? Well, yeah, you might see fewer carries, but maybe an uptick in scoring for that offense, more goal line opportunities. Hey, so work. it's just, it's a tough one because I love the player. Now he's a full year off the Achilles year and a half now. So there's reasons for optimism here, but I'm a little scared off after last year. Really. Daniel, how about you? Who do you got? I got Isaiah Pacheco. Let's talk okay. about a former seventh round rookie, right? Here's the good things. Really strong finish. Running back 14 from weeks 12 through the end of the season, which was great. Top 20 running back in five of his set final seven games. 12 of 17 goal-to-go carries for the Chiefs over that span. 71% of their goal-to-go carries, right? I love that. My fear is... They brought back Jarek McKinnon. <laughs> he doesn't catch passes. They brought back Jarek McKinnon. Yeah. And in spite of how good he looked down the stretch, because it took him a while to get going, in part because he was a freaking seventh-round draft pick. They weren't mm-hmm. trying to like rush him out there. They still had CEH. They wanted CEH to work out. But I feel like, and I know that this guy got hurt, but I feel like I have a little bit of worry around this being a James Robinson type thing where regardless of how well he does, there's not a huge investment in him there. It's for them to be able to decide they want to move on from Isaiah Pacheco. He doesn't catch passes. They brought in they brought in Jerick McKinnon from that perspective. The Chiefs, while they score a ton of points since Mahomes entered the league, they've scored more points than any other team but it's usually through the air. Mm -hmm. Is there an opportunity for him to be able to find this role that we have all been begging for within this chief's offense where he could be a top 20 running back because he can get double digit touchdowns because of some goal line work. And because of all the things that are going on there, it just makes me nervous because I love the kid, but I didn't see it super like a really long uh, sample size. And I think that there's a lot of things technically pointing against him. When you look at the other factors on the team, mm-hmm. I'll pick a player who has some similarities in the sense that like he plays for an offense that you'd say to yourself, if he's the starter in that offense, there must be value, right? Not so sure. That's James Cook for the Buffalo Bills. Mm. And some of the limiting factors for the Bills running backs is that Josh Allen is actually their best running back as it pertains to goal line opportunities. Even though the Bills are saying they're going to pull things back a little bit this year in terms of Josh Allen's running, they also added Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. I'm not sure either one of those guys is going to be a major factor for Buffalo this year. I certainly think Harris has a better chance than Murray to be that big time factor for them, but that probably limits the goal line upside for James Cook as well. And while I think he's a good pass catching back, 
How much have we really seen the Bills concentrate on throwing the ball to their backs since Josh Allen became their quarterback? They tried to make a play for J.D. McKissick last offseason. Maybe that would have been the gateway to seeing more of that in the offense, but I'm just not so sure that some of the things that James Cook can do well are going to be highlighted in this offense. He's two years away from becoming a free agent. I'm not sure what to make of him value-wise for those next two seasons. I thought this was one of the most interesting picks that we had anywhere mike i'll turn to you for uh, kenneth walker the third yeah, you say okay. interesting i say hate this one <laughs> okay so like do you want to not uh, do we, it i mean we were so excited for ken walker this season yeah. he looked so good down the stretch last season was an rb1 but not much involvement in the passing game that was already a little bit of a red flag on his ceiling a lot like pacheco like yep. you just talked about yep. what his ceiling looks like and then they spend a second round pick on zach charbonnet who is a more well-rounded running back who they're already talking up as basically a co-starter He's going to have a big role no matter what. And I, I'm starting to think more and more that maybe I'm even too high on Walker in my rankings because if this is just a two-headed attack, it's going to be problematic. He's going to have a lot of down games and his ceiling is going to be severely limited. So, And this is going to be year, Charbonnet. I mean, Walker's under contract for the next three years. Charbonnet for four years. This isn't going to resolve itself right. anytime soon unless Charbonnet is a bust. So he's tough because I, I love him. He's, he's such an effective rusher. It was a college, was in the pros, yeah. but now he's just... This this one just stinks. Yeah, remember I last year at this time, it, it was like, hey, we just have to wait one year for Ken Walker III to become the man. And now then, the clock has been mm, reset. Uh, three more, four Seattle more years. did what they do. They were like, we are not going to rely on one running That's back right. ever since the Marshawn Lynch days. That's that rough. is, that is, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, we're down about 30 seconds left here, Stefania. So, quick case on Khalil Herbert. Yeah, basically, again, Khalil Herbert. Look, cut to Khalil Herbert, who's like, I'm the guy. Well, I'm not the guy. You yeah. know, yeah. it looked like he was going to be the guy, and he had the front, was front runner of the job. Then they bring over Deontay Foreman, who is coming off the best year of his career. How can they not? have Deontay Foreman looking like he's going to be the starter. And then they drafted Rajon Johnson. And mm -hmm. I'm wondering what is the role for Khalil Herbert? He doesn't have that much wear and tear. Every time he's gotten a chance to prove himself, he's done it. Yeah. But nobody's really trusting him with that volume. So to me, he's a valuable player. But where do you rank him when you don't exactly know what his role is going to be? Might be hard to have any real confidence in any of those Bears and running backs right, right now, given yeah. the fact they're going to have three, maybe four, including Travis Homer, play some sort of a role. Hey, if you want more content related to Dynasty, Eric Moody has an article that's going up on ESPN.com on Thursday about players to trade away right now in Dynasty. So it may hurt you in the short term, but it's going to help you in the long term. Be sure to check out all of Eric's content on ESPN.com. For Stefania and Mike and Daniel, I am Field. We are back next week. Same time, same place. Topic to be determined. Maybe Mike's Jersey collection. Hey, How many now, more do you have? I have a, I have a jersey's not too many, but I have a lot of jerseys. Really? Yeah. I start oh wearing them. Most covered in jersey. Mike's jersey when collection is When is the pool unreal. open for business? Uh, it's it's, been it's open. open now. It's gonna be hot this weekend. I think we we're need a podcast at the pool. I there think we go. Might be right. We'll all hop in floats. I got a bunch. <laughs> I do Let's need go. some floats. I'm ready. It's Miller like. She's got a smile that'll melt your heart She's always there to lend a helping hand Her fantasy knowledge is just the start Her skills are highly in demand She's our Bay Area lady Out there hustling for us Advice that we really trust. Bay 
always there to help. She's not a cone, she's your favorite gal. She's the fun you pick. 